What drives you? What inspires you? Let's ignite your why. Welcome to Ignite Your Why podcast. I'm your host, Austin P. Gully, and we're here to have genuine conversations with authentic people to help amplify their voice and figure out what ignites their why. Today's guest was born and raised in Jamaica, currently residing in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's a former MLS All-Star, a former Jamaican national team player, and a current club ambassador for FC Cincinnati. And most recently, he just became a citizen of the United States. Omar Cummings, or also known as the Big Cat. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great, uh, considering the circumstances, Austin. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. you know, So it's been great. you know. Um, New year. Hopefully we can turn this one around and uh, hopefully hopefully some great things happen here in 2021. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 was not my year, but looking forward. Yeah, I don't think for anyone yeah. except people selling online or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super excited to kind of hear your story. So yeah. what is your story? Who is Omar Cummings? Uh, I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still trying to find out. <laughs> Uh, but, um, as you said, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm an everyday guy, you know, I see myself as just like, you know, your neighbor, you know, the guy, typical guy on the street, you know, um, someone that's friendly, that's someone you meet, you know, can leave an impression, you know, um, love to smile, love to have fun, love to joke around, you know, but at the same time, you know, just show respect for everyone and, and just want to, to live life, a life of, of of joy and happiness if I can, you know, where, you know, you can sh- shed a little bit of light in the world, a little bit of smile, you know, and put some a smile in someone else's face. You know, it's always good and just uh, be res- very respectable in everyone and everything we do. So, or I do, you know. I we do, because we, we work together. We, I don't know if you want to say this, but we... We do work together. We do work together. Guys, like literally Omar knows everyone in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter where we go, like he will talk for days and Except, just, well he says that in cincinnati but when i when i come across into the, the covington area you know austin takes takes the cake he's the is a show you know like he goes from hey that's person used to be my my babysitter <laughs> <laughs> it's a small world <laughs> it's crazy because i just want to know like what was it like growing up in jamaica um awesome uh, um, I loved it. I loved every every minute of it uh, growing up. Um, and especially where I grew up, I think it, it suited me. You know, it suited my style out, my my family around me, small community. Um, even like, you know, as we talked about earlier, I lived three miles outside a small town. <laughs> you know, three miles outside a small town, that means like you live in a very rural area, small town, uh, a couple of factories in the area, and a lot of even farming going on in that area. So I would say even from a, a farming community, in a sense. Grew up in a community that everyone knew everyone. You know, my cousins were right next door. Um, my grandfather, grandmother lived, you know, in a, just like behind me, neighbors, really. You know, my uncles, my grand grandma on my other side. You know, my grandfather on my father's side lived behind me. My grandma on my mother's side lived down the street, you know, so... Kind of grew up with everyone, uncles, aunties, cousins, neighbors, you know, all your life kind of thing. You know, one of those kind of communities. So kind of like Huntington. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Pretty much. 
So what was the turning point for you when you decided to come to the States and play soccer? Um, I've always wanted to play soccer. You know, growing up, you know, I, I tell people like I told a lot of lies growing up because, you know, your uncles, your aunts, teachers, when you stand up in front of class and say, what do you want to become? And, uh, doctor, lawyer, bank manager, whatever the case may be. Like in my heart of hearts, I knew I always wanted to be a soccer player. But of course, um, living where I lived and Jamaica economic situation, even and I have two older brothers that played soccer. So um, seeing the struggles they went through, you know, in soccer and getting injured or, you know, um, like my one of my brothers, he got injured to a point. Very, very good players, both of my brothers. But my second brother, he got injured with his back and for about two and a half, almost three years, he couldn't work or play or do anything, you know. So um, that kind of really makes you look into into life and as especially from a, a person that wants to play soccer. And look like my brother, I just got hurt. And not only can can he not play, he can't even like work, you know, because of this injury, you know? So to see that you're like, and I think that scared me a bit to a point where I didn't even play soccer for almost a year, you know, deciding my future. Like, do I want to pursue soccer at a competitive level, competitive level if it's not at a certain level, you know? So at one point I didn't get picked you know, like in moving up the ranks, you, you know, get select teams and stuff like that. And um, my cousin and I were very competitive and like he got selected for that team and I didn't. And it, we're, ne- we're neighbors, you know. So I'm like, all right, um, what do I do at this point? And this time I'm, I'm like 16, you know, like do I pursue soccer to a point where I want to play it at the highest level and continue to try and achieve or do I chase it? You know, or do I just start focusing more on my, my education and, you know, put my energy into that avenue where I can see myself in the next, you know, four or five years doing something else or moving in, in, a, in a different direction. And so I stopped. I stopped playing um, for almost a year. And my uncle, again, local community, local club, had this club and... Um, he was like, hey, man, we're struggling. Could use your help, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I still love playing the game. So, yeah, why not play, you know? Because I love playing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that much of commitment considering it was a local club. So I'm like, all right, I'll play. I played one game and my brother found out about it. And this is my brother that's injured, that uh, has the back issues, right? Found out and he like, let me have it, basically. He's <laughs> like, yo, okay. Um, you don't love the game anymore and you want to, you don't have passion for it. You want to quit. Fine. I get it. I get that. But if you're going to play, you're not going to play at this level. And if I ever catch you playing at this level again, I'd rather break your two legs than have you play at this level. So, yeah. So, um, he took me to one of his coaches that he used to coach him, um, when he was, when his last team, actually, he played for and was coaching a different team at the, at the, at this time. And he brought me to this coach and I started playing in the youth division. And um, yeah, first first day, just brought me to like and the, <laughs> the, um, the, like, the youth coach was like, can you play? I'm like, man, I don't know. So they say, you know, 
being <laughs> humble. <laughs> so they say, and he started even calling me Cunningham. You know, my last name is Cummings. And he's like, Cunningham. And I like wouldn't even answer him because I'm like, if I ever answer to this name, then it's going to be Cunningham the rest of the time, you know? <laughs> and well, there's another Cunningham here in, uh, that played, also Jamaican guy that played in MLS and whatever. I mean, great player. And I remember, I remember that name. And probably he was calling me because of that, you know? But, um, yeah, um, did well enough, made the team, and um, everything kind of, it was like, it's almost like, you know, and it's history, you know? It started from there, like, my second really, my second chance, in a way, you know, to prove, like, who I am, what I And it, it kind of was, like, that second wind where, okay, I have this opportunity, but not only do I didn't believe in myself enough, but my brother believed in me enough where he wanted to push me enough to play. And so if I was going to play, he wanted me in the, in the best situation, playing at my best and achieving my best. So if I didn't make it, trying to do my best, then that's fine. But if I'm going to quit and play at a certain level, then that was unacceptable. You know, so it was good to have people in my, my corner that believed in me more than I did, you know, and to give me that push. And for the fact that I saw both my brothers, like my oldest brother, he didn't, didn't really play or got the opportunities I did because he had to really work and help support the family, you know. You know, straight out, out of high school, this guy was working at 18 and basically helped taking care of the family. We grew up kind of like, like my dad was involved, but it was more like a single family also, you know, with my, growing up with my mom, you know. See my dad's like on the weekends, every other weekend, stuff like that. And then I have my brother, one that was very talented, but didn't pursue his dream because he had to basically help work and support the family. My another brother that was pretty good got hurt, you know, and therefore couldn't really fulfill his dreams. And then there was me that basically quit because I, I didn't feel like I was achieving enough. And so this was my second chance. So I look at it as having my two living in, kind of living in my brother's shoes, trying to fill my brother's shoes and make them proud at the same time, which again, on the other hand, also trying to achieve my goals and be my own person, you know, instead of like living in my brother's shadows, you know? So it, but no, like gave it my all. And before I knew it, I was getting a scholarship for within a year, year and a half, you know, I was getting a, a scholarship to Cincinnati State in the, in the States because the coach looked at me one day, Bradley, you know, his name was Bradley. This coach, my brother brought me in. We just driving one day. He's like, "Hey, kid, you want to go to college?" And I'm like, "Yeah," because <laughs> it's because honestly, and this is something that I even looked at Austin, where before I was like 14 years old or so, uh, 14, and I probably didn't even think thought, think about college. And the fact for the fact was, I didn't see anybody in my community, any any person, my in my immediate kind of environment going to college. I didn't see. People coming home from college and like, hey, you know, it's, it's difficult and here for the summer and whatever the case may be. You know, that wasn't happening, you know. So just when I was like 14, 15, I'm like thinking about this college, what's next after high school, you know. And my, my parents, on the other hand, because they didn't go to college or that kind of stuff, didn't really push for us kids to, to go to college. So it was not until I was old enough, like, what's next after high school that I started considering college and knowing about college and college overseas and considering my avenues, you know, that I started thinking about college even. So definitely that was something that I wanted to do. 
Um, and when the opportunity presented itself, I was willing to grab it, it with both hands, you know, and knowing that my my family couldn't afford college. So if this was an opportunity that I could take, you know, then it would have been awesome. My mother didn't want me to go. She was, she didn't want me to go. She was in fear and just the unknown, you know, um, the fear of, I didn't know anyone here. It's a new country. Um, she didn't know herself, you know? So she was like, yeah, you're not, you don't, I'm not going to let you go. And I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like, yeah, well, I, I kind of went against my mother's wish, wishes kind of was, and it's kind of weird talking about that now, seeing like what mother kind of would stop their kid, but from taking an opportunity like college, but it was just like a fear that she didn't know, you know, and again, going to another country and stuff like that. And, but of course, when, not to jump the gun, but of course, when I came out of college playing in MLS and stuff, she was the most proudest person in the world, you know? So that's on the flip side of that. Yeah. I can definitely see how like it would be scary for a parent to have their kid in a completely different country, right. miles and miles away. Mm -hmm. But my thing is, is like you went from Jamaica where it's probably really warm. <laughs> yeah. To Cincinnati, where yeah, yeah, it yeah, gets yeah. freezing cold here. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So not only was the weather probably a shock to you, yeah. but wasn't it like a culture shock to you uh, as yeah. well? Um, I, I wouldn't say that much of a culture shock, to be honest. I think a lot of media, like American media, is, is shown to the world, you know, where the world kind of sees America in... In, in a certain way, even if it's not totally true, like in movies and media and news and stuff like that, I think the world see much more of America than America really sees of the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so I felt like, yeah, I've, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of thing. Where, But traveling, of course, was, you know, the new country is always new. Um, and... <laughs> Coming up in uh, Cincinnati was late September or mid to late September. Mid-September, actually. I remember it was the 13th of September when I came up, came up to Cincinnati and um, meeting people in Cincinnati. In, like, October, it started to get cold. And, like, like man, I remember, like, my first cold game. We were playing um, closer to um, in the Dayton area. And um, it was going to be a chilly game, of course. And then the sun went down. <laughs> Man, that thing must have dropped like 20 degrees. <laughs> I couldn't like, I was playing in, I ended up playing in gloves, but I, I couldn't feel my hands. I couldn't tell you what direction the ball went, would go when I kicked it, you know. And uh, played in a, another game in like closer to Cleveland. I was so cold. I wore my 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 warm ups were inside my jersey. <laughs> I was suffocated, man. Like, so hate, it was an experience. It was an experience for sure. Hated playing in the cold. Oh, wind chill. This is, there's no word in there's no wind chill word in Jamaica. And the first time, like, I was watching news and um, it's gonna be like forty or fifty. You know, with a wind chill, it's gonna be like twenty five. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What do you mean it's going to be with a wind chill? It's going to be 40 with a wind chill of 25. You know, like, what What do you mean by that? And I was like, hey, guys, what? Uh, the guys I was living with at the time, I'm like, hey, what's wind chill? They just laughed. They didn't even answer me. Like, you'll find out. <laughs> they didn't even explain it to me, man. I'm telling you, when the wind is super cold, uh, 
I can just remember like in college, just walking around a corner and just oh, yeah, yeah. gush of wind, yeah. oh, eyes my days. watering. <laughs> like, so, uh, actually, I was, by then, actually, I had one of my brothers, uh, my eldest brother, living in New York at the time. And so for that first one, I'm like, so I asked guys, yo, guys, yo, my, my legs are freezing cold, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you wear anything under your pants? <laughs> like, no, no, just jeans. We're good. Jeans and underwear. Fine. Like, I don't wear anything underwear. So I'm like, all right, all right cool. So I kind of beard it. And then when I get to talk to my brother next, I'm like, hey, bro, <laughs> you wear anything, anything under your pants, man? My legs are cold. <laughs> You know, so sometimes I even used to walk to school, you know? It's like, what? What are you guys like? What are you? I'm like, they say they wear nothing, man. It's like, yo, don't follow those guys, man. <laughs> wear some long johns. You need some long johns, you know? So go out and get yourself some of those and all that, you know? So you, you learn little tricks as you go, for sure. I'm really surprised that, like, you've stayed for so long because it just gets so cold here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my, like, there's stories about colds I could tell you for days. <laughs> I guess my next question for you is, why Cincinnati State? And um, that was the, again, this is a, an opportunity where my coach, that Bradley, um, that my brother led me to, he um, does summer camps in the in the state. So he'd come up and like coaches that he knew. So he'd come up in the summer and do like a, a summer camp in Miami, summer camp in Cincinnati, one in New York or so. So, and that's how we make some like extra money sometimes, just coming up and working summer camps. So, um, he made these connections with coaches in Cincinnati and the coach, Mike Combs from Cincinnati State, were looking to, to get a couple of players for on a scholarship. And just, just because of Bradley's recommendation, he's like, okay, what are you looking for? Like, I need a striker, I need a defender. Like, okay, I got you, right? And by the time he came home that next year, you know, he was like, hey, that's when he does driving and he's like, yo, you want to go, you want to go to college? So just based on Bradley's recommendation, Mike has never seen me play, but he had that much respect for Bradley and the coach that Bradley was and what he was looking for in a player that he's like, Bradley, if you recommend a player, I respect that, you know, that decision and that, you know, that critique, if you will, of that player. And so I know you are as a, as a coach, as a, as a person, if you recommend me some players, I think they're going to be good players, you know? So that was it. Connections. You know, Mike, we talk about this all the time yeah. in this podcast. Connections are key. It's oh, yeah, all about yeah. who you know, and that's wild. No, Mike never saw me play until the first practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it obviously worked out for you. So. <laughs> so you spent two years at Cincinnati State, and what made you want to transfer to, to UC to UC you know. um, well that yeah. was kind of like <laughs> coming here that was kind of like the process that wanted to happen because obviously Cincinnati State has the connection with UC and they're, they're coaches they know each other and I think when they met each other Mike was working UC's summer camps you know so um, so they know Hilton days and so that connection so the idea was always for me to or players, myself, hopefully, if everything works out, to make that transition from Cincinnati State to UC and to build that relationship with each other. Um, but it's not wasn't wasn't a hundred percent, you know. Obviously, that would determine on my my goals and my if I it was still my decision at the end of the day if I wanted to go to UC, you know. 
but eventually it worked out. And um, I know for one thing, but it was coming to my time to decide about colleges. And I told uh, Mike, listen, I know one thing. I am not going anywhere north. <laughs> so it has to be Cincinnati or, or south of Cincinnati. That was that's like those were my stipulations, you know. But again, I knew UC was definitely the aim. UC was to get to to get to UC and fulfill that kind of, you know, that that was kind of the trajectory that I was gonna should take. You know, of course, there were players after me that, that the same system didn't work out. They they choose to go different places, or maybe um, at the end of the day, um, UC was not interested in that player, you know? So it could have gone either way. So it was determined a lot on what I did and how good of a player that I would turn out to be, you know, kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people go to colleges like Cincinnati State as like a stepping stone yeah, to get yeah. to the next step. It's kind of like a junior yeah, college yeah. in a sense. So you spent two years at UC. Right. I don't know how well you did. <laughs> Obviously, you did uh, well enough. Yeah, well enough for um, first team, second team, um, accolades. Some of it I don't even remember. People telling me like, "Yeah, okay," you know. So um, it was it was good. It was definitely um, a good experience, and I think a, a good um, as you say, stepping stone into American American college. You know, um, where it's a, a transit school mostly. Um, yeah, great help, help from the, the folks at Cincinnati State, you know, still have connections with some of my, the teachers there, you know, a great, tremendous school. I recommend anyone in this area to, to go to Cincinnati State. Big up Cincinnati State. <laughs> I have to say that, you know, because again, it's like, it's, it's roots. That's your you know? home. That's, that's home, home, but that's, that's roots. You know, that's the first place like Plymouth Rock. That's why I landed, you right. know? And it made it happen for me. And without Mike Combs, without Cincinnati State, you know, I don't go, I don't get here. I don't go any further. So for me, that was always a, a strong connection with Cincinnati State. So when you decided to take the next step and mm -hmm. enter the MLS draft, right? what was that process like for you? And and that, again, is um, I, I kind of like looked at it where if it happens, it happens kind of thing. You know, not to put my eggs in one basket and feel like it was going to happen. Um, for me, it was, okay, I, I do what I can. I do my best. And then whatever comes from that, comes from that, you know. So if that means I didn't make it, fine. Um, and I tell people that I see kids and other guys that probably didn't get drafted and then end up trying, going on trials somewhere else or trying to do this and go overseas and I didn't have those options if I didn't get drafted that was it <laughs> that was it for me you know I didn't have the resources where I'm an international student so you have like a year of work um you could work for like an internship for like a year or something like that and then if you don't get a very permanent position then you would have to go back home and if the company that you intern with or some other company doesn't fold for you and say okay I want this guy to work for me you know, then your visa is up and you have to go back home, right? Wherever that's from. So I knew I didn't have those options of probably sticking around and trying to go on trial here or whatever the case may be. It's like, I have to make this, you know? And for me, so I didn't, I didn't really think about 
I didn't think about the draft or anything like that, you know? Uh, I'm like, if I get drafted, I drafted. The coach is like, yeah, because how it works is your coaches from the region and who you play with will basically put your your name in a hat of, like, these players should be in the draft. So if you get, like, however many coaches in your conference and those those, um, coaches will vote on how X amount of players that go get to go to the combine, you know, or get drafted. So, uh, well, really the combine, right? Then MLS teams will determine how many players they draft from the from the combine, the MLS combine. So, yeah, so based on how I did at, Cincinnati, at University of Cincinnati, I was, um, for my coaches and coaches within the, the um, division that we played in, decided, okay, this guy is good enough to go into the combine. And so my name was there to go in. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play in the combine because I, I did surgery like in November and this combine was in um, in January. And so I actually went to the combine because I tr- worked my butt off, try to get you know everything done and get ready for the combine. When I got there and I said, we're not going to chance it. You're not well enough to play. And I, I felt like that was it. That was it. That I'm done. You know, I didn't show my, get to show myself or you know, at the combine, showcase myself, and I felt like I, I wasn't going to get a chance. And But other people kind of felt differently when they felt like, hey, maybe not going would have been, or not playing would have been a good thing. Because if you play hurt, once you're you're playing, you're going to be judged on how you play. If they know that, okay, you did a surgery, and that's the reason why you're not playing, then, okay, let's give him a chance. Maybe. And maybe it worked out. I don't know. But... I didn't play, went there, didn't play, and uh, ended up getting, getting drafted by um, by Colorado Rapids. So, and, and even that day, it was a crazy day. I was, I was feeling sick uh, in class. And normally, and, I did, and again, I, I didn't think about the draft because I'm like, if it happens, it happens. If not, if not. Um, I'm feeling a little sick, and uh, I leave class. I'm like, I'm going home. I went home. And I was sleeping and went to sleep it off. I'm sleeping, and couple of hours and I hear this noise and wake up and people are running past my window <laughs> you know <laughs> I get out like and just people are like running I'm like I'm like I, I, I need to get out of here what the heck is going on and so I go out my window and I was on the first floor the three stories of my building and third floor is on fire <laughs> oh, <snap>. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm looking at my phone <laughs> You know, I start checking my phone now. I'm like, I'm seeing all these scores and congratulations and this and that. You know, and I'm like, oh, wow, what happened? And I'm like, oh, oh, I was drafted. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's why I thought people were just like running around. Like, I no. did, not, <laughs> did not think you were going to say like, your house my was literally, on fire. My building was on fire, man. So, and I was like, this is a sign. Like, who did I get drafted for? Chicago Fires? <laughs> like, if it was the Chicago Fire, I would have lost it. <laughs> absolutely lost but yeah, shortly after that, I got um, got a call from Charlie Wright. At the time, he was a general manager for Colorado Rapids. And we talked, and he's like, hey, how you feeling? How are you doing? And we're like, oh, right now my billing's on fire, man. <laughs> you know? He's like, oh, really? Sorry. And all that. And yeah, kind of a funny day, you know. And I kind of looked at, as soon as I, after all that commotion and congratulations, all that, I looked up Colorado, you know. And okay, this is kind of weird, but. Not only I'm um, like I was feeling sick, my building's on fire, which I thought it was Chicago fire, and I'm like that would have been crazy. It's Colorado Rapids, 
which is one of the coldest places in I was literally in America to, <laughs> to go play soccer. You know, before the, even the Canadians teams came in, they didn't back then. You didn't have any Canadians te- teams. I'm like, oh, of course, it's the opposite. It's not fire. It's not going to be sun. It's not going to be used and sunny and hot. It's the Colorado, the quite the opposite, where I'm going to be freezing my butt up. I looked up the temperature. Dude, they had a snowstorm. Doesn't surprise me. Worst, <laughs> hold on, the worst one in 100 years, <laughs> right? When I, like, I'm flying into Colorado, like, I don't know, about an hour um, or 45 minutes to an hour before I land, all you see is white. Like, all you see is white. Just flying in the whole way. The only thing you saw that of little life were smokes <laughs> coming out of <laughs> chimneys. You know, that, that was it. You know, I get to Colorado. It's three degrees. I remember this. Three degrees. And I'm like, first of all, I, I couldn't even fly to Colorado when I was supposed to. Because I got snowed in a couple of days. Like, I had to wait on the day. I couldn't fly. You know, flights were, were done. Nothing was flying. I had to wait two days before I could fly in. But when three degrees, bubble jacket, you know, walking like a penguin, you know, and I, I was like, man, this is going to be crazy. How many years did you spend in Colorado? Six. Six. Yeah. But so, you won a championship? Won a championship. Did you become an all-star at Colorado? Became an all-star at Colorado. So a lot of good things happened Yeah, rookie of the year. Oh. Um, I for for Colorado. Um, I got... Also, um, what did I get for UC um, that year? Also, um, male player of the year for UC, you know, 07 also. And that was good. That was actually a great, great honor. I felt like, you know, of all the, the male, male athletes in, at UC that year, I, I was the one that came up on, on top. And I, I thank them for a great mistake. I still believe it's a mistake that they made that year. <laughs> You know, but it was a tremendous honor to have. So after Colorado, where did you go next? Uh, Houston. And, Houston. And warm. Was, warm, <laughs> warm, but not, uh, honestly, after Colorado, like, um, career kind of take a, a turn, just like injury after injury after injury, you know, like never quite stayed healthy enough um, in a year. It's like the first year I was in Houston, I didn't really start playing until September. I did two surgeries on my knee, one um, in the preseason, and the next next one I came back six seven weeks later. I was doing another one, you know, and um, I didn't start really playing like training again <laughs> until like the summer, you know, and I didn't really start playing for the club until like September when I felt like August September when I felt like getting minutes, you know, significant minutes within the team. Um, and so it was kind of weird where I was really brought in to be like a starter and it just really didn't work out that way because I just spent 10 months injured my first year. And by the second year, um, it was better, got some minutes, but I, I, I never f- quite broke, broke into that first team, you know, and, um, then from there I went to, um, San Antonio. Uh, which was kind of a good year it was because uh, I I felt like kind of rekindled my my career scored a couple of goals the leading goal scorer for them the first the first um term I was only there for ten months but got ten goals 
And then um, how I got to Cincinnati, that was uh, actually should back up because even in Houston, wife got pregnant, had kids, you know, all that stuff. So it was a different, it's a, definitely a transition year for me. Um, and my kids were premature. So 10 months, seven months and 10 months in the hospital, you know, came home on oxygen. So same time, I was still playing in San Antonio. So it, was a, it was a very trying time for myself, especially my second year, which a lot, a lot was going on when my wife got pregnant, you know, early March, um, basically diagnosed multiple, um, kind of terrible, like an awful pregnancy, you know, and um, eventually the kids were born at six months just because of the help of the doctors, you know, just helping them to carry them that way. My wife was like bedridden by three months, you know. So again, that that also played into it. Just a, a very difficult time for in my second year. and But then I signed San Antonio, but my, my family was in Houston and I drove back and forth a lot, you know, because it's like three hours away driving. And so by the summer or when I was in San Antonio, 2015, um, I got a call. Well, I, I got a Facebook message from a guy I didn't know. Well, I'll tell you how it happened. About the late 2015, like about around this time, like February, March, a guy, there were, somebody was doing like a, a Cincinnati All-11, you know, all-star team kind of. And I was mentioning it and um, they were like, I don't know if Omar Cummings is from Cincinnati even, but he definitely should be on this team because he represents Cincinnati and all that, you know? And I was like on Facebook and I was like, oh, thank you very much. You know, I really appreciate it. It's an honor. You know, I rep Cincinnati. I love it. And it is really an honor for me to be included in this team, even though I'm not from Cincinnati, you know? And by the summer, he hit me up, you know, again and was like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I heard there's going to be a new team in Cincinnati. And I was like, all right, cool. Because there have been teams before. There has multiple. You know, multiple teams <laughs> before. So that was new. I'm like, oh, another one. Another you know, one. another one. So that's uh, that was my impression from from um, from initial um, time. I first time I heard about the club. Then next time, like a month later, I heard about it from my my combs, my junior college coach like okay something real and then i heard about it from um my uc coach you know like uh, maybe a couple weeks later i'm like okay all right so and they're going to be in usl and that's basically the league i was playing in at the time all right and i was playing in and so we don't even want to get into that because the, the league's flip-flop <laughs> and nsl is not a, not even a thing anymore it's because they were the second league now yeah. usl went to the second league and it's just one bigness right so i started to get excited like i remember like when i talked to one of my coaches i was so excited i couldn't even think about the game i was gonna play that's how excited i was you know like okay this is real and they're gonna have a good team or a strong team a good you know and the who people are done involved and stuff like that and i started getting butterflies start i couldn't concentrate man i couldn't concentrate like on anything that day i had a game and i just couldn't con concentrate i was thinking about where i'm gonna live you know the guys you know hit up my some of my the friends i went to college with and all that stuff just my mind was just going so fast you know and um they were like yeah talk to some coach and I'm like yeah they're gonna be in contact with you and stuff like that and i'm like whoa you know 
and it was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. Um, so coming back to to Cincinnati to FC Cincinnati was absolutely a no-brainer. I had a couple of different offers from a couple of different teams, and I'm like, I didn't entertain a lot of like didn't entertain. The only person I even entertained was one of my coaches that coached me in Colorado that we won the championship with. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah, talk to me, but this is my destination. You know, if you can offer something like significantly better, maybe, but this is where I'm going, you know? <laughs> Cincinnati's home. Right, yeah. It's crazy how like your career kind of took full circle. Yeah, so it was, it was like a no-brainer coming back when Austin was easy, you know, again, like, I have friends that I, I went going to college with, you know, for me, they're, they're family now, you know, and my kids call them uncle, you know, so, and Cincinnati is home, it's home now, you know, it's just very, I'm very, very happy to come back, and I was always coming back, you know, every year I see my friends hang out, stuff like that, and to see where the, the city and how the city has grown in those years coming back, and before I moved back to Cincinnati, I probably didn't come back for maybe three years or so. And so within the three years that I didn't come back to see the growth of the city in three years was like amazing. You know, like, again, the renaissance in Cincinnati that, that happened was and in, in this area, you know, was just amazing, man. Like the stuff that was going on downtown, the transformation, the the restaurants, the bars, the, the young life within the city, you know, that amazing. So soccer has obviously played a big role in your life. <laughs> um, you still work with FC Cincinnati, like you do soccer programming through Cincinnati Public Schools and different organizations throughout the city. Um, I guess like the next question is like, what truly ignites that why? Like your purpose is soccer, but what truly ignited that flame for you? Um, for me, it was very easy. Um, as I said, people talk about giving back, you know, but as I mentioned before, without Mike Combs, without, you know, a Cincinnati State, you know, my life story, I don't know what it would be, you know, and um, because of my, what I'm able to achieve for my, for myself, for my family, you know, um, for my community, you know, my country, I end up representing my country because of all of us, all of it. You know, so much of my identity is here in Cincinnati and how it happened and why it happened, you know. And I, I grew up in a lot of ways in Cincinnati, not in the sense like growing up from for years, but grew up as a person, you know, grew up as, a, as an individual seeing a lot of things for the first time, meeting a lot of people for the first time, you know, being in America, but also being where I could meet multiple cultures, you know, not only did I meet Americans, but uh, Africans, Europeans, you know, Indians, you know, all those people were mixed into the college atmosphere. And I got to really meet and share a lot with with people, you know, and um, it's been, it's been surreal, man. It's been it's been an awesome journey, and again, like first and foremost, like absolutely just to to give back to Cincinnati for what what it's given me, you know. And uh, I felt it's a, an honor that every time I think about it and what I do and what to get I get to do, 
you know, and where I come from and what the city has given me. It's like, it's easy for me, you know, to, to get up every day and say, this is what I'm doing. And because I know what the city has given me, you know, so that's the easy part of it. And the why, if I truly go into my why of why I do it, you know, for, you know, obviously like working with kids, awesome, like giving back to the community, spreading soccer, you know, expanding, you know, the, the XFC brand, you know, into our communities and, and showing them what we're about. But on a more personal level, um, I also want to not only show the game of soccer, you know, and what it can do and give kids another, uh, a kind of diversify their, um, their network, you know, say for kids that say, this is also an avenue, you know, that you can get into, right? And I, I think soccer out of many sports is the sports where everyone could play, you know, where it doesn't matter your size, doesn't matter your, how small you are. And one of the biggest things today to see is where uh, two of the best players in the world, you know, a Lionel Messi and a Cristiano Ronaldo. Messi is like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, you know, right? Which is like how many kids would think, oh, man, I can be a professional, top professional player at 5'7", you know, as a basketball player, probably not. As a NBA player, I don't know, probably, <laughs> you know, as a it's baseball not, player, what do you think? <laughs> what, as a you know, NHL player, you know, golf, yeah, maybe, you know, but in, if you look at a lot of sports, the size and is this almost a size requirement, you know, soccer is not, not necessarily the case. Like literally one of the best players in the world, you know, few of the best players in the world, like five, 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 seven, five, six, you know, you look at a Cristiano Ronaldo is like six, four, you know, or something like that, you know, six, three, you know, so the height requirement and like the requirements for soccer is a lot different where the, you, you have a broader spectrum, you know, of people that could play and be successful, you know. So your normal guy can go out there and play soccer where you don't feel like some of the other sports, like your normal guy, you know, body shape kind of guy and height guy can go out there and, and be as successful. Soccer is like that universal sport. Yeah. A lot of people don't like it. I should say a lot of Americans don't understand don't it. Like it. They yeah. don't understand it. They don't understand it. And it's the probably the cheapest sport sport to play you know and it's well diverse where you need a ball you need a ball you can really make anything your goal you know and you can play on a multitude of surfaces you know so from sand you can play on the sand you can play when it's wet when it's snowy when it's grass when it's indoor when it you know whatever the, the soccer for whatever environment and space that you have i love soccer yeah. Yeah, I made my dad and start to enjoy soccer. Uh, he's always been that basketball player, mm -hmm. a basketball person. Uh, but earlier, we kind of talked about how 2020 wasn't the year for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so with everything that's been going on in the world, with you not really being able to do your job, mm. but you still had a job. Right. So that was lucky, like, yeah. fortunate there. Fortunate um, for FC to provide that opportunity, yes. So it's kind of like, how have you been like taking care of yourself during all of this? Um, it, it's, it's a good to actually get the family time, especially to, I was telling someone today, really to, I've always, again, seen my kids being premature and, um, I always wonder, you know, how are they doing in school? How are they keeping up? How are they working with their peers? You know, how, 
and you get reports and stuff, you know, from your teachers, but you really don't know, you know, like you want to see that interaction, you know, and I, I always kind of wanted to just be like looking at a window at my kids in a class, you know, creeping, yeah, creeping, kind of, <laughs> you know, at my kids, you know, just to see how they interact and all, because they're just, they, they're, they're so small, you know, and again, you know, to see their interaction, how you want to see like how they keeping up how they are everyone wants that kid that at least average you know and see you know it's yeah I, it's keeping up it's fair he's in the middle middle of the pack hey that's fine babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all it matters yeah you know you don't need to like be you know at the top necessarily but you definitely don't don't want your kid at the bottom you know and struggling and failing and doing all that stuff so uh, also it's like man, it would, I love to like you know, be there and not be there, you know, where I can see them, but they don't know I'm there, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's been a good, um, insight into their classroom and to, to help them out with this online thing and to see how they interact, how they do and, um, in their class and to get like, yeah, again, just to get an insight into their world. I definitely can see how like being a parent, mm-hmm. um, obviously not, but like how, being able to spend that time with your kids, especially yeah. after being a professional athlete and always being on the go right. and on the, like going back and forth between playing here and playing there to actually be able to sit down and watch your kids grow. It's a, I mean, at times it's frustrating. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, one of the most difficult things I have, man, is actually that keeps my kids quiet because my, my, my wife is a nurse and so she works at night. You know, she works the night shift. And the most, sometimes the most difficult thing I have to do is to keep my kids quiet during the day so my wife could sleep and get some rest, you know, and not be disturbed. So, I've met your kids. Yeah. <laughs> that, does, that does not seem easy. <laughs> oh, just, my days. Because they they're like their dad. They love to talk. Oh, uh, really? I love to talk? I'm a, I'm, I see my... Hey, listen. Come on, Omar. And, uh, and this is something that, no I, I honestly I see myself as a as a quiet person at times and um I don't know I, I like to meet people and I love to and we joke around you know um and it's good where I can joke around and feel I, I joke around so everyone feels kind of comfortable you know I love when everyone feels comfortable you see like when people have a certain comfort level then you know their expression comes out you know and you were you're kind of an introvert yourself i am right that's why when you say like you see yourself as a quiet person it's i do really like growing up i was a quite i see myself as a very shy person at times but now like you're not i, um, I can honestly I, say that i think you had to like pry like me to open up to you but uh well yeah because, like, I would just, like, be, like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, somebody else, if you if you were in my, sh- and you are, uh, are like, uh, a motivator, you have kids that you work with, right, obviously. So, if you had a kid that you were working with, and you saw where it's more of an introvert than even yourself, but you are that big brother figure, right, what would you do? I mean, like, when I'm around Javier, like, See? I'm not, like, <laughs> I guess I get what you're saying. Right. I get so, saying. but naturally, no, honestly, growing up, I was very much, uh, I wouldn't say a, a total introvert, but I was a very much a quiet person. If you had, like, a group of people talking, I was more for listening, you know, and I like to take everything in and listen and, you know, you know, like, some people tell stories and you're, like, you're watching a movie 
you know, like I've I've heard people like every tell, time my dad tells a story. <laughs> I, I had guys like growing up, they would like go to the movies and they'll come back and tell that like the movie they watched. So and, detailed. And so detailed yes. and uh, like like the, I remember Matrix, like the first Matrix I watched. Like I remember it like so vividly. Like this guy went to watch it. He came out, he told he was telling a group of us a story about the Matrix and how crazy it was and you know, whatever it's like bouncing off the, the street and uh and I went to watch Matrix. And I almost swear to you, I've seen the movie before. <laughs> that's hey. how detailed it was, you know. That's a good story, though. Yeah, if you can feel like you were there and you know everything, yes, that's a good story. Yeah, and you, but no, but I just it's a good story, but it's also the the gift of that of that person telling the story. You know, like I felt like they're so entertaining and so eloquent, and they explain stuff so well. And I didn't feel like I had that that gift of 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 speech of talking of grabbing the audience in such a way where they're so captivated they're like oh, yeah. just leaning stories, in yeah, you know when I tell stories it's like straight to the point like this yeah, is what's exactly. going on exactly I'm like what and, and that's how like my comprehensions in school like doing a school and write, writing a thing I'm like you need to write See, three I'm, five pages and I'm like I do two paragraphs and I'm like <laughs> I'm actually good at writing though. I'm actually good at writing but not good at speaking there's completely I don't know I was bad at math but good at yeah. English. It was just my thing. So, yeah, like, why not, like, how do I stress this story out and make it more palatable? Uh, you and, just like, don't you use know. conjunctions. You just, uh, dude, uh, you just kind of... Yeah, I'm, as, like you, I'm straight to the point. I'm like, I, I say things and I'm like... Oh, um, right. when I had to write papers for college, I would just think of anything. Right. And like, I'm just like, this has to be so many words. Like, right. all right, I'm just going to ramble. I'm yeah, scared. see, you could ramble. I'm, I wasn't a good rambler. But like, I had I, to. I had to. I had yeah, to Everyone survive. had to do like, that in college. Like, <laughs> you really, like, you write about something, you could do it in, again, a couple of paragraphs. But then you have to make it three, three, five pages or whatever it is, ten pages, you know? And like, but you, again, that's what college is for, just to learn how to go on and stretch it out. <laughs> you know, make it that long. So my next question, because I'm really curious. Mm -hmm. You spent 18 years in the United States? So far? Yeah. So far? Oh, three? Yeah. So what made you want to finally just say, like, hey, I want to become a citizen? Um, I think it was time. You know, I think uh, I held on to my Jamaican citizenship and my Jamaicanness kind of, you know, as long as I, I possibly could, I guess, you know, um... To, to where I came to the point where I'm realizing, like, I've lived in, almost lived in America now more than I've lived in Jamaica. So what does that mean? Does that make me, uh, of course, I, I would, I see myself a Jamaican, but um, now it's like, I grew up, as I said, you know, I felt like a lot of me grew up in, in America, you know, yes, as a young man, you have certain views and as a young person, like, I didn't know anything. Like, you think you know, but you don't, you know? So, again, I've pretty much lived almost half my life here, you know, in the States. And, uh, of course, now my wife, my kids, you know, this is roots, you know, that I'm putting on. If you look at, like, my roots that I'm putting on, yes, Jamaica is my roots, but my, my roots that I'm putting down you know, is very much American or rooted in America. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, 
I always I always wanted to to have that kind of conduit of like being Jamaican and have like connection and be able to to go and flow in between both worlds, I guess, you know. Um but yeah, I thought like yeah, it's it's time. I've lived here have more than half my life I've been in the States. You know, my kids and my kids play I think a big part of it also. Um where my kids are American, you know, and I'm American yeah. now, you know, but before my kids were American, I'm like, yeah, at least half this family is American. You know? My <laughs> wife. So when it comes to a vote, you know, of like some things and the others, like, I don't know if we had one, another kid, like, like at least we're 50, 50. <laughs> no, now we're, we're all in, you know, no, we're all in where um, my wife and I, my kids, everyone's American now. So yeah, full circle again, that full circle of, of going back around you know yeah well congratulations yeah thanks man. i'm super Thank proud you. for you and Country super happy now. you're a u.s citizen yeah uh well voted I'm... i voted for the first time you voted for the, for the first, first time because like when i was in jamaica um i didn't get the chance to vote and that was big for me actually that was huge because just uh, i believe in that kind of process and you know everyone has i think just if you look at history, you know, yeah. and a person of color and all that, where a lot of people fought and died for our rights to, to have the right to vote, to have the rights to have a voice, you know, to, to be where we are. And so I think if you don't vote and if you don't share that right, you're really giving up and you, you kind of spit it on the, the people that, stepping on the people that gave up so much for you to have that right, you know, black and white, you know. So I think it is our responsibility. It's something that I've always wanted to do, um, especially, I, again, in Jamaica, I didn't, you know, by the time I got 18, there wasn't a time where I could vote, you know, so I came up and then a couple of years later, they had elections and stuff like that. So I think it's so interesting, your perspective on it, because I feel like growing up in America, mm. you kind of just like don't see voting as like, you're right or you're it is absolutely and right. like you know what i mean yeah. like but like growing up it's not like really like talked about or like mm -hmm. really enforced i right. guess you should say yeah. and it like, wasn't enforced in my in my um in my household so to speak um again single mother my, my mom didn't participate so much you know not until later that i even found out my, my dad didn't even vote as much you know but the political system in jamaica is everyone knows about it you know, so um, I always felt like that that is your you're given right to to have a voice. That is your voice to say, you know what? I think this person is better than this person. And if the person that you vote for, you know, it's not good enough, good enough job, whatever. It is your responsibility to say, OK, I think you should go, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't necessarily um, believe so much to be one way or the other, kind of. You know, um, and that's that's not for this kind of uh, forum, to be honest, you know. But uh, that's something I guess we could talk about at a different time. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. I just want to say thank you uh, no for problem, taking the time out of your day to talk and tell your story. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for, for having me. Thanks for, um, you know, giving me a voice here on your program you know i think it's great i think it's great what you're doing and um 
you know, when you explained to me, like when you were starting this podcast and what you wanted to do and to share, I thought it was awesome, you know? And you're like, yeah, I'd love to have you on at some point. And it's been delayed, even though it's because of COVID and all that stuff. So we finally got it done. And uh, I'm glad for the work that you're doing. I hope you keep doing it. And I'm sure you're going to have a lot more interesting people than myself to, Honestly, to talk like, about. You're you know, like the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> former, former professional yeah, uh-huh, athlete. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> uh, but no, thanks for having me. And respect, respect, and love. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to coming back to work. Yeah, uh, I don't know yeah. if I told you. Right. Uh, so I sh- we'll be seeing you more. Oh often. yeah, we're seeing a lot more of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening in. Always remember, find your purpose and ignite your why.